Hello, welcome to the CG Pro podcast. Uh, if you enjoy what you see tonight, like and subscribe, and feel free to follow us at becomecgpro.com. Um, gives me great pleasure this evening to welcome Sally Slade. Uh, Sally is uh, has a, an incredible, diverse background. She's worked in across engineering and arts. One of those people who has an, an amazing brain and a, a artistic skill as well. Um, we've actually had the opportunity to work together on, on The Lion King and uh, she has done some amazing other things you know, working and creating things for the Oculus and HoloLens and Magic Leap and um, yeah we're well known for her work in The Lion King developing the user experience, the uh, stage tools the virtual production system that was created for the Lion King movie. And um, she's also the, the founder of uh, Vodcasto, a virtual production application for VTubers, um, which we'll hear more about in a second, I'm sure. Sally, welcome. Thank you very Yay. much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And I'm Pleasure. excited to see all this love from the chat. <laughs> yeah, How come cool. on chat, people. <laughs> Oh, here it comes. Yeah, I got some emojis. I love it. Mm. Cool. Well, yeah, um, I always like to start this off just by kind of going going backwards a little bit and asking you about how this all began for you. You know, where where you um, where your inspiration to get into the work that you do now comes from, and both on the sort of engineering end and the artistic end, I guess. Oh wow! That well, we have an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah okay so let me think when i was a young child um i saw a pixar film and i thought this is incredible i want to do this as a job <laughs> um and i began my journey um and i knew that i could draw and i knew that um i liked making websites and um, that's about all I knew. <laughs> I didn't know, um, you know, any of the careers that were involved with this kind of thing. I didn't, I knew you could be an animator. That's about it. I didn't know you could be a lighter, effects artist, TD, producer, any of that stuff. I had no idea that existed. Um, so I, I um, just went to school kind of like on the lookout for, for animation classes or anything like that, which didn't really, that didn't come easy <laughs> at a liberal arts school. <laughs> Um, and then I kind of got some great advice about like, hey, you know, there's plenty of computer science related careers in um, the animation industry. You should maybe be a programmer. And I thought that sounds great. And it sounds like it has a lot of potential great um, fallback options, you know, just in case, you know, people decide they don't like animation anymore. I can always go work for like Microsoft Word or something. <laughs> um, so. I, I studied to be a um, programmer and um, then just like sent my reel out everywhere because as part of programming, I wanted to learn male scripting in Python and do Maya and stuff. Um, cool. And so it, I- What did you study? Did you, um, was it a degree in- Computer in science. science. Yes. Great. Yeah. Same um, with me. Ah, wonderful. Look at us go. <laughs> Um, so yes, I, I um, was able to access Maya through our computer lab and I was like kind of learning basic animation stuff um, along with the programming stuff. <laughs> so I had this um, 
gorgeous, maybe grotesque, I don't know, just terrible little reel of like spheres and cubes and stuff that I was just like, this will, this is my ticket, <laughs> the big leagues. Um, and I sent this out to about 30 different studios that I found via stalking films on IMDb. Um, got a lot of rejections, um, but I got one call back from Digital Domain and they were like, yeah, we don't want you as an animator like at all, but we would take you as a um, data integration intern. And I said, wow. that sounds amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. So I did that and that's how I kind of got my foot in the door. And um, from there I was able to um, evolve. Um, I almost immediately became a technical director um, when, when one of the gentlemen on the team uh, left in the middle of a project to do his dream job. Um, that left a great seat for me. Um, and they were just kind of like, Sally can code, send her up. Um, I'd never like launched Nuke or done anything um, related to compositing, but I was immediately the compositing TD for um, Transformers 2. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so that was like wild and uh, fun and, and nerve wracking. Um, but, you know, I did did pretty good. They kept me around um, and I stayed in visual effects, you know, doing that kind of stuff um, for something like eight, eight years. Um, yes. Then okay. I got to VR, still wasn't an animator, still wasn't quite doing, you know, the shiny, colorful, um, like, animation things that had an initially, like, turned me on to this entire career path was doing mostly, like, live action type stuff. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, then, it's funny uh, what, the way that uh, life introduces what you're supposed to be doing and it's different than what you thought you yeah, wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so that was great. Then I tried VR and I was like, wow, this is incredible. And now this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, so I learned Unity, um, Game Engine and C Sharp and joined a VR house. Well, they're a lot more than that, but they were focused on VR at the time, which is um, Magnopus, which is in LA. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and from there, I got this, you know, just wonderful education on the job about like how to make games, how to design games, what's a game loop, what's, <laughs> you know, all of this different stuff that I just had no exposure to. Um, and it was just super empowering to be like, I can make apps now, like I can make games now. Um, and that was very cool, which, you know, asterisk is where I worked on The Lion King with you, um, yeah. making this virtual production um, pipeline, which was like a nice combination of everything I had been learning in visual effects meets all my new game engine skills. Like let's mash them together and make a tool. Um, so that was rad. Um, but yes, um, there I was powering up, um, like learning all this stuff. And then I was like, you know what? Now's the time I can finally make all the colorful, shiny, like anime animation type stuff I ever wanted because I know how to make these apps now. Um, and thus Vodcasto um, was born, which is the VTubing application that I wrote, which uses facial motion capture to animate cartoons. Um, and thus, I finally, in a very long roundabout way, became an animator <laughs> with my face. <laughs> um, so that is, that is, um, that's kind of my path to where I got to where I am now. Amazing. That's thanks. great. Well, yeah, yeah. Thanks for, um, for, uh, 
explaining how you got there because I, I think it's it's really interesting and some of the people watching will be in the industry already or whichever industry that would be um some people have already got the job they wanted but some people haven't you know and they're, they're trying to find their way in so i think it's really interesting to hear about how you how you get started and, and it sounds like you had that experience where you got in not doing exactly what you thought you would be doing but you found your way into the industry and that that opened up all these doors once once you got in so would you say that's a, a you know good piece of advice for anyone starting out today absolutely yes my my first job was you know tracking match moving cameras um and it was only a two-week gig so like i was i was had just moved to la i was pretty broke i had secured this desk job answering phones I was just about to get like um, 401k there and like all the nice trappings of a whatever desk job. <laughs> and I got this call that was like, hey, do you want to work for two weeks on GI Joe? And I was like, oh, yes, <laughs> threw it all away. <laughs> um, gambled on on the VFX career doing not exactly the thing I wanted to do, um, but it completely worked out. Amazing. Yeah, it sounds like it did. Yeah. I, I, it's, interesting i had a somewhat similar beginning although i went off into the world of corporate COVID for a while when i came into visual effects i got a, a two-week opportunity on harry potter doing camera tracking as well I'm like ah! yeah similar similar kind of way in and then i ran away into commercials for a while for, back into movies a bit later on but yeah it's amazing where the, where it will take you when you um you know, have a dream uh, you, you can end up accomplishing that a little later on having gone through some interesting learning experiences. What, um, yeah, so what uh, would you say was your your favorite um, part in the, in the beginning of your your work for DD? What, um, what was it the developing or were you kind of, did you have your eye on the, on the art stuff from the, the beginning? Um, I, it I sounds really like love... you enjoy being a developer. I did. I love it. Uh, it's great. I'm, I think I'm much happier than I would have been if I had been like a proper animator. Um, but it, I think my favorite thing was, you know, being a technical director, making these little tools for artists, you're working with like sometimes 15, 20 year veterans and um, you know, they've seen it all, they've done it all. Um, and you admire their work like fiercely, like how do they do this magic? Um, and then you're like able to help them because they don't necessarily know scripting. So they'll ask for a tool, you'll write that tool for them, you will give it to them with a fast turnaround and suddenly they're like, who is she? Like, she's the magic person. And um, then they're, you know, they're, they're kind to you, they use your tool. Um, and it's just this wonderful feeling of like, um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's cool to be on the radar of, of people like that without having had to put in, you know, 20 years time, you get to interact with them regardless. And DD was great for that. There was just so many people with such colorful stories and histories and um, you got to be someone important for them <laughs> in their yeah. workflow. So that was, that was rad. That's awesome. Was that back when it was in Venice? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very cool. I, I had a little stint at DD when it moved, when it moved to Playa. But um, uh, it was just around the time that it was moving that I got to LA about 10 years ago-ish. Wow, um, that was 10 years ago, geez. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. 
<laughs> Sorry to be the Sobering. one to break <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Life moves pretty fast, as somebody said once. Mm. Cool. So, um, yeah, it's really, you know, it's really interesting having the, the diversity of skill set that you have, because you, you obviously spent a bunch of, um, most of your career in the creative industry, but also straddling being a, a developer um, is a somewhat unique. There's, people tend to usually to one side or the other, either be into the tech side of it, whether it's tools or being a tech artist or being more on the, the artistic side of it. Um, do you like, do you like doing both? Do you enjoy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do. Um, it's very, you know, uh, empowering. You're like able to do the two things you need to do to get the project off the ground. So um, it's a great vibe of, of being self-reliant. Right. Do you, um, do you, I guess you, you know, through your, your app and through your own work, do you still work on your own projects? That's something which I, I think is important to keep, keep alive personally is that you are working on your own animations or your own artwork in the background as yes. a part of your work. Yeah, it's interesting because the my project that I was doing was Vodcasto, and now that has become my day job um, with this new um, gig I have as co-founder at Voltaku, an animation studio. So now full-time, my, my project has become my full-time work, so I need to get that work-life balance going and, and start to um, have a distraction outside of <laughs> my day job. Yeah, I definitely want to ask you more about that because I know that's something that's happened recently for you and it's a big, big bit of news for you. Um, can you tell us, seeing as you brought it up, can you tell us oh. some more about about um, Vodcasto? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people watching that would be really interested to hear about what that is and then um, can talk about Voltaco as well. Yes, um, so Vodcasto is this... Um, application that uses facial motion capture to to animate um, avatars. In my case, I've largely focused on 2D avatars because that is my favorite type of illustration. Um, and I kind of got it into my head that I wanted to make this in the first place um, because I wanted to make a cartoon show with my friends. Um, and as discussed, I am not much of an animator. So I thought, ooh, I bet I can combine AR kit with um, 2D illustrated, like rigged illustrations and like make it work. Because, um, you know, as we as you know, we were working on Lion King doing very similar stuff. It's like, how do we combine VR um, inputs with a 3D model and like puppeteer the model, like same kind of wavelength. So I thought, aha, I can skirt entire decades worth of knowledge I would otherwise need to make this animated show um, and just do it on my own. Um, and there was some solutions out there, but, you know, they were kind of hard to access or like in Japanese or behind a paywall or whatever. And I was just like, you know, I'm just going to do it myself. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to give this app to my friends and they will graciously test flight with me and we'll refine the app and we'll make it the perfect tool to make this cartoon show. And all we wanted to do was this like sort of 
Beavis and Butthead-esque, like, um, or maybe Mystery Science Theater, where you're just kind of like sitting there and you've got like a music video playing in the background and, and you comment on it. That's like all we wanted to do. And we wanted to do that specifically for local musicians in Los Angeles. We thought like, we love going to bars. We love seeing the musicians play. We want to kind of get to know more of them. And, um, you know, this would just be great for a cartoon format. So um, that is kind of what inspired the genesis of the app. Um, and then I just kind of tenaciously kept that vision alive until it was like an actual product. There was like a moment where I was like, you know, this is working great for my friends and I, what if I put this in the app store? <laughs> yeah. And I just thought that's a skill I don't have yet. I want that skill. I want to know what it's like to make an actual public facing product. Um, so I oh. did, did that. Um, so and, you didn't you didn't intend on necessarily productizing it when you first started doing it. It was really just for your for you and your friends, and that's something yeah. which emerged as yeah. you went. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that was fun, and um, you know, once I got it in the app store, I was like, you know, now that I have a product, maybe I should like try to market this product. Maybe I should see what that's like. Um, so I took a I took some time off from my day job and I was like, I'm going to pour my heart into this. Um, and I focused on building up our show and I focused on, um, you know, making uh, engaging on like Twitter and having this identity as um, Saltech was the name of my company, which I thought was cute. Nice. <laughs> um, so you know, Saltech became this entity that would talk to the world um, with, you know, a couple dozen followers. And um, it was just very cool and fun. And it attracted the attention of this startup um, called Voltaku, which was this um, virtual production animation studio. And they were like, hey, we like your app. Um, and we think that our like community, like our fan base, as it were, might like your app too. Um, and we want to make these films. And then we want to have the assets from the film be puppeteered in your app as like a cool thing. Um, and I said, that sounds great. <laughs> and, oh. Yeah, so um, I kind of joined them, joined this brain trust of Voltaku. And we dreamt up this whole business model that they'd been iterating on that's like quite exciting, which is this um, sort of marriage between um, a virtual production pipeline making episodic content like features, and then this kind of more interactive um, pipeline that's supporting the community so that we can like share assets in between and then have, you know, the characters from the show can be VTubers or they can all pop into VR chat and hang out. And the community can use like our avatar builder or generated avatars to kind of join us and like be in theme. And it will be like this wonderful immersive experience, like won't, cost too much like time budget wise considering that we're already making the assets for the feature length stuff so like we just right. thought what a great use like what a great synergy um and that's kind of the idea behind behind the studio so very excited to join up with them um, um and we'll be you know serving my favorite audience which is um the otaku audience which if you're not familiar, is a word we've adopted from Japan, meaning like obsessive fan, typically okay. of like, yeah. So like 
often of like genre content, like you could be an obsessive fan of anime or gaming, um, or in my case, rom-coms, um, <laughs> or like fly fishing. It doesn't matter um, if you latch onto something and really love it, then you are an otaku. So we're trying to serve okay. this community of, of this type of fan of, you know, Comic-Con style stuff. Um, so very exciting. That's very cool. I'm, I am noticing in the chat already that you've at least got three people downloading it whilst we've been talking. So oh, yeah, <laughs> thanks guys. <laughs> That's cool. And uh, yeah, a couple of questions coming in as well. Um, one we have is what, what inspired you to use your skills for VTubing? Oh, um, well, just wanting to do that show, wanting to make that um, music show with my friends. Um, I was not aware of the VTubing phenomenon until I, until I started kind of researching, you know, blending AR kit and, and 2D rigged illustration. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> this is like a thing people are already doing. This is going to be huge. Um, so so that's, I guess, what inspired me was just wanting to make that, that show and not wanting to animate by hand. Yeah. That's hard. Animating by hand is hard. I've found the same thing when yes. I got in. I thought I was going to be an animator. Jurassic Park's what did it for me. It was That was what made me want to get into the industry. And seeing that, I was like, I want to be an animator. I want to animate dinosaurs. And then I, I got into CG, found out animation was quite hard, and ended up doing a whole bunch of other things and animating as well. But, yeah, it's it's hard. Definitely mocap's great. <laughs> That yes. helps. <laughs> yes, it does. Very cool. Well, um, yeah, another question that came in was, um, I have noticed, somebody says, I have noticed that 2D rigs have improved a lot recently. Do you plan to introduce hand tracking in the future? Yes. So what I have noticed as well is that, you know, as VTB becomes more popular, people are like getting in on on the creation of it. Like they want to do engineering, they want to do rigging. And I've I've noticed as well, like the rigs are getting so much more complex, um, including, you know, people are experimenting with like essentially the 2D version of IK where, you know, you position your hand based on the hand tracking and then it just kind of figures out where the rest of the joints go. Um, so yes, we absolutely want to support that. Um, it's just been, um, <laughs> it's been tough to, to focus on my roadmap during this, um, wonderful merger that I'm lucky to be part of. So as soon as that kind of settles down and we've got our groundwork for Voltaku up and running, I can focus again on the engineering of the app, which I'm very excited to do. Amazing. Yes. That's very cool. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to add gasoline to your your project and lay to keep doing more of what you're already doing, which is amazing. Yes, that is how I was described during um, this acquisition. They were like, you are the jet fuel. We've built the jet and you are the fuel and let's go. <laughs> I thought that was flattering and wonderful. Yeah, that's cool. It's, yeah, it's great being able to get together with other people who share the same kind of vision. It's really cool that you guys met and I'm excited to see where where it goes next. Um, is there anywhere that, that our listeners can check out any of that, or is it so early and secret that none of that's visible yet? <laughs> no, no, um, they can definitely check out Vodcasto. It's already in the stores, uh, in the right. stores. It's already on Apple's App Store. Um, as far as Voltaku, we have a website, voltaku.com. 
which has Twitter, Discord, mailing list, and like a, a very limited amount of like little sneak peeks of um, the first project we're working on, which is this comic book series called Killtopia, <laughs> which is um, this wonderful uh, commentary slash action kind of um, cool <laughs> comic book about robots and humans living together and what does that look like and social collapse and, you know, Neo Tokyo type stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I do confess I know a tiny bit about that from being in the, you know, friends with Chris. Um, so yeah, really, really, really cool to to see you guys joining up and I, I'm excited to see where it goes for sure. Yes. Um, just talking, going back to your, some of the things that you've mentioned already, um, I'd love to hear a bit more about, because I know we, we worked on the movie together, we worked on Lion King together, but almost didn't uh, speak or meet, because you know, we were in these different parts of the building, different companies, you were working with Magnopus, I was working with NPC on that movie. Um, and we we uh, definitely were working on the same boat, but in different parts. So I'd love, I'd love to hear a bit more from you about um, what you what you did on the movie, what, what you worked on and what that was like. Sure. Um, so I was recruited <laughs> for this little team that we had of about um, f five or six engineers um, to build this system for Unity where we wanted to <clears throat> essentially be able to put the filmmakers into VR and allow them to move cameras around in real life and like have those cameras be, you know, shooting the VR environment and all this. And they said, Sally, you'd be a great fit. You love weird input output devices and, and you know film. And I said, sign me up. Um, plus, you know, being on the West side would be great. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah. On stages, we're all close to my house. Um, so yeah, that was, that was fun. And um, when I got to the team, we, there was already some foundational stuff in there that was um, looking pretty good, but we needed a ton of tools still. Um, and we needed smooth frictionless ways to access them. Um, you know, like menus that are um, apparent how to use, um, tools that might be familiar to these, you know, legendary cinematographers who've been working IRL <laughs> exclusively. Um, so they're like, you know, very familiar with what a lens looks like. They may not necessarily know what the equivalent of that in VR would be. Um, so it was like a very cool design challenge. We, we attempted to do a lot of um, skeuomorphic design, which is a $5 word, meaning make the thing look like it looks in real life. Um, you know, kind of like um, um, the wastebasket icon on a operating system <laughs> looks like a right. wastebasket. Um, so you kind of get the clue of what it is and how it works. So we, we tried to pursue that quite often. Um, and, you know, there was challenges like beyond just trying to onboard these people into VR in the first place, there was like, what about motion sickness? Um, you know, like how, how can we, like there's only so many buttons on the controller and we definitely don't want to overwhelm them with the amount of buttons. Um, so lots of cool challenges. I think my favorite thing that I came up with um, on that project, I was sort of like um, our user experience um, person, like just making sure that it was smooth and frictionless. You know, everyone had their little role to play and, and that was mine. Like no one's allowed to get sick. No one's allowed to get confused. Go. <laughs> um, 
So good rules, um, good rules for the game. Yes, yes. Um, and I had two things that I thought were just such a triumph. <laughs> One tool was um, the undo tool. Um, and I, I just thought, you know, we're out of buttons. We're already using all the buttons for stuff. Uh, we need a way to, to quickly access undo. What, what do we do? And I had this kind of like um, revelation of like, hey, we know where the controllers are at all times. What if there was some kind of movement that they could do that was, um, you know, that would engage this action? And what I came up with was um, from the show Friends, they um, had this gesture they did that they would do this as like a sort of um, <laughs> F you. <laughs> but I thought that the gesture itself was, I was like, this is perfect. Like it's it's a little, it's, it would be super easy to calculate if the controllers are doing this. Um, it's very intentional. You're not gonna do it by accident. And like, you know, whether or not they're familiar with the TV show, like it does have this like tiny sense of frustration within this gesture. So like, you know, if you've done something wrong, you're gonna be a little frustrated. It might be cathartic to uh, tap the controllers together. So that is what we ended up doing as an undo gesture. And it was it was great. It was easy to remember, very popular, um, a triumph. Um, and then the other sort of gesture we had was there was this need for location. Like we didn't know necessarily where everyone was at any given moment because they were scouting this enormous virtual set, um, you know, just all kinds of landscape and desert and mountain. Um, so they would lose track of each other. Um, so we made this really cool beacon tool that um, I got the gesture from the Tron poster where they're like holding their hands above their head um, really tall. And so we made it that if you um, kind of hold the the tips of the controller together above your head, then you'll get this really nice giant column of light indicating where you are. And then you'll see like streams coming out um, from, from your hands of like where everyone else is. So they'd be like colored the avatar color and like labeled and suddenly you've got this great lay of the land and you're, you've got like a signal flare if anyone's looking for you as well. And that was just like very fun to design. Definitely didn't make anyone sick or confused. Um, didn't use too many buttons and so i was i was quite proud of those nice i definitely remember those from being on the move I remember watching john favreau with his hands above his head <laughs> yes <More than> once. <laughs> good times and a little cardio for everybody <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah yeah it's yeah really cool to to hear about that it's um yeah amazing how you could be sitting meters away from somebody and not know uh, what what's what they did so it's very cool from my perspective to hear about that I'm sure really interesting to to people out there as well so um yeah it's a, a really it was an interesting movie because it was such an R&D exercise now going going back to that point Unity and Unreal were somewhat similar at that point they neither of them had any virtual production tools and you guys built a lot of that stuff from scratch um and then it was the inspiration for what uh, Epic have done with Unreal after that as well. A lot of what was made on that movie you know, using Mandalorian as the as the vehicle to implement it in Unreal. But a lot of that, that's where a lot of that came from. And, yes. and I, I know that, but I, not many people, I think, know that that's actually where a lot of the at least user experience in R&D and figuring it out actually happened on on that film. Yes, it, it was it was wonderful. Um, the team 
turned it into, you know, rewrote it essentially in Unreal. And then it got bundled up by Epic and put into 4.23 for their VPROD re release. So that was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I bet, bet you didn't see that coming. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so any other kind of favorite experiences or things that you enjoyed working on online king? Hmm. Well, I'd love to ask what you were doing three meters away on Lion King. Oh sure, yeah. I I, was, I probably said this uh on podcasts before, but I was leading the in the virtual art department. So I was <clears throat> just on the other side of the wall from you, just next to stage. My I was leading a team of 15-ish uh, artists in in that building and then also in London <clears throat> building uh, building stuff, taking what the art department had done, making it performant, making it run in VR and doing pre-scouts in the corner of the room and then taking that stuff onto stage, making sure it all worked before it went on stage uh, where it was really important that it worked. Right. Much more expensive <laughs> in <clears throat> the other side of that door. Um, so yeah, I was I was basically doing that. There was a uh, a real mix of things because I was working on tools as well. I was as well as doing the, the aesthetic side and QCing art. I was also leading back into my past and uh, doing some tools development so that the art the bad artists could speed up the workflows and we could simplify things and. We were, it was a really ex experimental early use of USD um, mm. for, for our sins. You know, we were using that technology probably a little bit too early, too soon. Um, yes. So trying to make some things which the problems that that created, I was trying to create tools that were undoing some of those problems and making it easier to, for the artists to work on. Because it was pretty abstract. It was kind of it was almost like going back to the early days of Jurassic Park where everything was an abstraction it was like a really weird looking interface to try and control things not mm. not uh, not very user friendly so I, I guess part of what I was doing was user experience too in a different way yeah that's so noble of you to have embraced our lord and savior USD so soon like there must it, must it wasn't my choice ah! <laughs> <laughs> hmm. that you know I want to I want to tell you about USD a little bit because it has inspired Please me. Do. Yeah. Um, you know, it was it was a huge effort. It's done great things. Um, it reminds me of earlier in my career in um, 2D land doing color workflows for um, Scanline VFX. I was in charge of all the color uh, in the facility. So you can imagine that when OCIO came along, the open color workflow, it was like, yes, this is great. My job is so simple now. Um, so between, you know, living that revolution, seeing what's happening with USD, um, I, I think we need a similar thing for avatars. So, mm. you know, with my work with Vodcasto doing these 2D avatars, what I've done um, for 3D avatars and like rigging setups in Unity, I can see how like if we had a really simple avatar descriptor, we could potentially share these avatars across different um, systems without too much trouble. I feel like right now people are like, oh, if you know, Fortnite could never share Avatar with Doom or whatever, uh, like imagine the FBXs and how they would explode. Um, I feel like if you were to take a step back from that 
and consider it from the open color perspective of just like a tiny little Lego block, like just an XML or a JSON file that just describes basic traits about the avatar, then like any system could read that in and spit out their equivalent of the avatar. So like, mm. you know, if you had an avatar you defined in Bitmoji that was like, oh, it's, you know, she's, she's a Caucasian woman with brown hair and pink accent and she wears a denim vest. That might look one way in Bitmoji. And then when you get it into Minecraft, they'll just read that JSON and they'll be like, well, sorry, we don't have denim vests, but we can give you a blue top. Um, and we don't have brown to pink hair, but we can give you brown hair. And then you get this like approximation of your avatar within this existing pipeline. Um, and I'm very excited to just think about this little Lego piece that we could be using um, that's just written in basically plain English JSON um, that could really tie together um, all of these avatar projects we're seeing, whether that's like video games or like these um, like um, NFT, like profile pick projects, they all have avatar makers and none of the avatar makers are talking to each other yet. And I yeah. think we might see some sort of universal avatar descriptor file emerge um, soon. And that would be so glorious. Um, and that's, um, I'm, I'm actually working on a white paper for this, this like UAD concept. And I'm really hoping that, you know, it catches on or that maybe I've overlooked something that already exists because this little building block of pipeline piece would be huge for like an interoperable metaverse. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely, definitely made me think that, you know, the, the uh, and ding of the, uh, the buzzword bingo had metaverse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it always has to come up at least once in every conversation, mm. I think. Yeah, the, but definitely, I mean, like, the, I've heard a number of, lot of conversations about the metaverse. Um, one of my favorites is from Tim Sweeney from Epic, you know, him talking about the, the things that are going to help make it exist being the standards being the things like USD and your uh, UAD, which now nobody can copy that because it's, it's out there. Um, heard it here first. CG yes. Pro. <laughs> awesome. Exclusive. I love it. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really cool idea. Yeah, it's, it's I think I do agree with him, I think, on the, the standards of being able to work across all the different building blocks of, of what the metaverse is meant to be it's a it's a an often talked about thing probably quite misunderstood a lot of the time but i, I do believe that the that uh like he said it is about bringing different things together it's not one entity that can own the metaverse if it is then that's not really the metaverse um what do, what are your feelings on that word <laughs> I don't know why this word is like so illegal. I love saying this instead of this laundry list of platforms that are going to be connected in some nebulous way. It's much easier to just say metaverse. I I embrace it. I'm leaning in. Love it. So, so clearly you, you like it. What um yeah, what what does it mean to you, I guess? Um and actually me... that question just came up in the chat. Nice. Oh, yeah, the chat. Um, yes. Um, so my definition of metaverse would be um, a, a place you can go like virtually um, to to express yourself, like whether that's socializing or um, performing or just publishing something. Um, it would be this 
series of venues you can access, whether that's 2D or 3D or immersive. Um, and you would presumably, you know, interface as some sort of avatar or even just a screen name, but hopefully avatars, we love avatars. Um, and then hopefully there would be interoperability between these various platforms. Um, like that's the dream, right? Uh, interoperable metaverse. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's what we're, we're working on at Voltaku right now is, um, that sounds like very <laughs> huge in scale, but actually we're just kind of, you know, starting small agile approach. Like let's talk to a couple different projects that we have, um, you know, common values with, um, get to know their engineers, see if they like this um, UAD idea, see if they want to see if our avatars can visit each other's platforms um, and sort of like manifest using these these, these descriptors. Um, so mm. to, yeah, to me, interoperability is definitely part of, of the metaverse, although I don't know how, how long it will be until we see that. <laughs> yeah, maybe a while. Yeah, it's not, not uh, yeah, it's some work. It, Let's say that <laughs> definitely yeah. some work to get it to happen. Yes, not just that you're talking about not just sending the avatars to to each other, but actually being able to communicate between those two spaces, maybe even at the same time, exist in multiple places at the same time. Uh, I guess it, the sky's the Could limit. Be. Yeah, Re yeah. Redundant display in multiple uh, platforms is not part of my definition of metaverse. That seems very large in scope. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Start with something a little, a little more achievable than that. Yeah. Or, just a bunch of disjointed communities that are held together by the idea of they'd like to be together one day. <laughs> yeah. And, um, do you, do you, I get, I mean, I guess in, in a way the metaverse already exists because of there are, there are those kinds of things out there already. There, yeah. Things like Fortnite, whatever I, definitely feel feel out of touch and old when I start talking about that and realize that I don't do those things very much. But um, do you spend a lot of time in those kinds of spaces? <laughs> I've never been in Fortnite or Roblox or any of these amazing monster platforms. Um, okay, maybe, maybe I've watched some watch some playthroughs, but uh, <laughs> never made an account. Right. But now you're doing what you're doing. Do you think you'll try it out? Oh, I, I'm, I have to for user research, but I, yeah. my, my, my metaverse home is VR chat. I love it in there. It's very fun and cool. It fits my age group. <laughs> right. Yep. That's my, my zone of comfort. Yeah. There's, I guess there's a few different things that along those lines, there's alt space as well, which I've. I have experienced, I can say I've tried that one. And yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's fun. I like the, um, I guess the ability to have something that's not super realistic. That's, that's kind of fun. It's kind of creative to make something that's a little bit more stylized and abstract and you can play with it a bit more. Yeah. I, I love, you know, how empowered we're going to be to, create stuff in that space, which is why I think Unreal and Unity are going to be playing huge roles in this world we're building <laughs> because they're, they're the, you know, obvious points of entry um, for creating virtual worlds and interactability. Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts on um, Unity these days? Because I know that uh, 
Unreal has got a lot more press around virtual production as they kind of took it on a little bit more, but it seems like Unity is making some moves out there and um, doing more things, whether they're yes. trying to catch up or not. But uh, I yeah. call buying Weta effects doing some things. <laughs> doing some things, yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm optimistic that they'll um, you know develop some kind of system and and catch up a bit, but um, it will be interesting to see if they can dethrone Unreal or or even compete as like an out of the box virtual production solution. We'll we'll see, I guess. Um, I'm I'm pleased to not have a horse in the race and just be able to sit back and have great tools coming from two different uh, directions at once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's great. You know, being having especially if they start doing similar things, having competitions good, yes. encourages people to bring their, their best work forwards. And um, I've, I've been really enjoyed Unity as well. Obviously working on those movies, Jungle Book and Lion King were both Unity. Um, I've, I, I've loved it and love Unreal too. They're definitely, uh, they're both great and different. Um, somebody's asked Unity or Unreal 4, what is your preference? Oh, we're not gonna put Unreal 5 in the mix? Um, my preference. Well, you could, you can. <laughs> I think they're, you know, they're both they're both outstanding for different purposes. Um, I'm certainly more comfortable in Unity. Um, so if I were to launch one and do a project, it would it would be Unity. Um, yeah, that's that's what I made Vodcasto in. That's what we made Lion King in. Um, but at the same time, like, oh, those metahumans and like nanites and like all this crazy tech that Epic is putting forth is just so enticing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's just a, an exceptional time. I haven't been in visual effects for about 15 years, and I think it's the most exciting time that I can remember in, in my career. Just the amount of innovation that's coming forwards now is I have not seen in that, at least in that time anyway. I know that just before then, the visual effects had a, a massive uh, innovation kick, but uh, that felt like it started to level off by the time I joined the industry and but now we're really seeing that coming forward again in, in visual effects and filmmaking and and VTubing and and so many other industries as well. Yes. Um another question came in. What do you mm. think the future of VTubing will look like? Are there any other potential uses to applications like Vodcast O that you have that you think haven't been explored yet? Yes, so many. Um, so Vodcasto's it's heading down this path. It's it's not there yet. And uh, but I, I do feel that it's going to become popular and there's going to be tons of apps doing this. But um, this idea of VTubing in AR, um, I think will be huge. It's it's like splitting the difference between VTubing and Snapchat such that it becomes like really easy to just um, hold up a phone, show yourself wherever you are on the train at brunch um, as your character, like fully um, without without slippage, without, um, you know, tracking issue, like sticking you to the ground um, and just allowing you to really embody an avatar at the drop of a hat. Um, I feel like that's coming. And I also feel like multiplayer is something we're not seeing a lot of in VTubing. The only app I know doing this is virtual cast. They're so ahead of their time. Um, but this idea to just like summon a friend, right? Like that's a whole part of this beautiful XR metaverse that we want is like that I'm in the same room virtually as someone in AR who's across the country from me and we are together in that moment. So of course, an obvious extension of that would be like 
AR V2 being multiplayer, um, where you're, you know, both in an environment together, experiencing it like somewhat together um, and, and projecting as if you were, you're both in that moment. And I think that's going to be really exciting and fun. And I can't wait till that's becoming the norm. Amazing. Um, the, the thinking about the kind of mix of real and virtual, like, you know, things like um, volumetric capture, bringing real people in to virtual worlds, as well as the avatar idea. Yeah, I mean, sure. We're already seeing that with um, snap, uh, you know, spectacles and lenses and stuff is like volumetric effects in real time, you know, tr tracking correctly with the camera and, and um, you know, benefiting from these really tight LIDAR scans of, of an environment. Like that's already there. <laughs> so it's only a matter of time before we get, you know, the, the sort of like Miyazaki treatment to those 3D volumetric effects and then see them in this like anime IRL scenario, I think. So I'm excited for that. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, like uh, seeing the characters being being changed, but also maybe the, the environment starting to, that you're in start to be made cartoon-like and you get to see where you are, but it's like a different a different look on it. Yes, I feel like mixed media is just something that animation as a whole has like not really tapped into yet. Like Into the Spider-Verse did the great, you know, like mixing of different styles and and like halftones and um, traditional ink with this like 3D animation and it was amazing. And people were so receptive to that. And I feel like we're gonna see a lot of um, these types of mixings happening more like photo reel background, um, cartoon foreground. Like I think that's going to be huge. And I think that this kind of app will push that movement forward. Amazing. Well, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I guess we, we have to wait and see what it's going to be like. The, the, it sounds like you're, you're experimenting and doing some very cool stuff. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see where it all goes. Yes. But, um, um, going back to uh, your time at, at Magnopus, um, can you talk a, a bit about some of the things that you, you worked on while you were there? Other oh. than blanking. Yeah. Um, maybe. <laughs> or, or if you can't, then that's okay as well. Let me think if there was any project, any project at all in between. <laughs> uh, you know, no, no. These NDAs are like <laughs> really <fine>. fierce. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally understand. Yeah, hmm. Sorry to put you on the spot. No, I but, should have prepared uh, an answer. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. Well, we, we, uh, obviously safe to talk about the Lion King. And lots of, lots of that went out as behind the scenes footage, and you know, it's fine to start talking about that kind of thing. But I, yeah, I know the NDA world is pretty all encompassing. Yes, um, I can tell you that while I was on my secret project, there was a project in parallel happening at Magnopus, which was the Expo 2020 World's Fair, um, which was very cool. And, um, you know, branding itself a bit as like an initial metaverse application, which is um, pretty rad where, you know, you get to be an avatar, you're exploring this digital twin of the Expo, which is 
um, this triumph of humanity every couple of years where they bring all the world together and different countries have these different pavilions at this huge venue. Um, and, and they essentially digitized that experience, you know, with panache, they stylized all the animation and like made it very cute and cool. And um, so that was very fun to watch happening um, a few desks away. Awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, it's cool to hear about it. I'm, yeah. I'd love to hear about all the things you can't talk about, but I know that. <laughs> One day <laughs> know that on know. my deathbed. <laughs> what, um, how about, uh, you know, talking about virtual production, obviously we talk, that's a, almost as nebulous as uh, the metaverse, but um, a, and is a lot of the things that we've been doing for a long time combined with some new techniques to, that are changing it. Um, what uh, what excites you about what you're seeing with the the advances that have been made obviously through lion king and now more things are, are being invented on top of that what, what excites you about how it's affecting filmmaking oh i just think it's a revolution for storytelling because suddenly you don't need a crazy budget to to do these like um you know what what only a dozen years ago may have even been considered high-end visual effects um, you can do it in your backyard. That's literally what Voltaku did for their proof of concept. Um, we shot this, um, you know, two and a half minute teaser in the backyard to, <laughs> with, um, you know, Vive trackers and um, Unreal running. And, and um, it was incredible how accessible it was. Um, I could only imagine how fun it would be to be like a high schooler right now, just chilling with your friends and you decide, let's make a movie this weekend. Um, how cool. And it's not just, you know, unreal where this stuff is happening. Like we're seeing it happen in VR chat. There was a Sundance submission this year that um, was filmed entirely inside of VR chat. Like oh, really? incredible. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Very cool to see these kinds of things um, coming out. And I'm sure there's VTuber films as well. Like stuff is just getting easier, which means more stories are getting told, which means you know, we're entering a cool new renaissance of entertainment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's amazing. Like you said, that it's it's freely available to people. Uh, even going back with filmmaking, people experimenting with cameras at home, and a lot of the famous directors that that had great careers started experimenting in that kind of hacker maker kind of uh, environment where they're just trying trying things out. But digital going back to I guess the beginning of my career just before that I remember when Maya was twenty thirty thousand dollars for a license and the machine to run it on was you know hundred and fifty thousand dollars and just to sit down and do anything you had to be <clears throat> obviously people had to believe in you a lot to invest that much in you and trust you to use it um, so it wasn't at all accessible I remember di digital stuff um, digital filmmaking, CG was super inaccessible and right. it, it was really hard to get the opportunity to actually get to try it. Let alone, I, I went to, in my university, my computer science degree, I had the opportunity to see Maya. We had a unit in my, that's what lit me up was having that exposure to that. It was a, on a silicon graphics machine and, you know, it was that expensive to, to do it, but they had the kit. So I, I saw it and that was like, I, I'm I am in I'm I'm hooked it took me a few years to actually 
get a job with it. Um, but yeah, amazing now that you can for with almost nothing. Yeah, you uh, just need just, like a phone. <laughs> right? Yeah, you don't even need a computer. You can just the, the phones are more powerful than those machines that we, those SGIs that we were using. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Yeah, it's amazing to see what what people come up with. And I think it's like with anything when it's widely accessible, you get a lot of a big variety of, of stuff. Um, but a lot of cool things are allowed to come out of it and be, being a, being able to experiment, I think is the key. And I guess that that's uh, being an engineer, you, you appreciate that you're being able to try things out and see what works and what doesn't. Yeah. Yep. I'm excited to see all the different kinds of stories that are going to get told now because the threshold is so low. There's no gatekeepers. So exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's super cool that you uh, you can do it wherever you are too. You can be out on the move and not have to wait till you get home to try something out. You can actually create yes. on these things. VTubing on the go. <laughs> Absolutely. Any anything else that you're you're excited about in the future? Oh, plenty. <laughs> yeah, no, I think we've hit most of the notes already from a tech standpoint, at least. Um, just excited to see so many people onboarding into the space um, and exciting to help make the tools that, you know, enable people to create the art they want to create. And you uh, have some art yourself, I'm sure that you want to make as well as helping other others to do it. Oh, yeah. We're not giving up on our little indie show. And um, Podcasto has a mascot called Echo Luna. She's She's trying to be a famous singer songwriter, you know, um, on TikTok doing her thing, gonna start some live stream. She's got a VR chat world, like all kinds of creative, cool stuff is is happening um, around my little orbit. <laughs> Amazing. Now, is there any um, thing, any places that people can check out what you're personally doing as well as the the links you've well the addresses, I guess, that you've given for Vodcasto, um, talked about Voltaco, is there um, anything you can share about your own your own personal work, any websites or? Um, I've recently got a Twitter. I am I am at Sally wrote this. That is my my Twitter handle. Um, and so I, I post, you know, whatever tidbits there. But most of my projects are currently concentrated at vodcasto.info and voltaku.com for the most part. Awesome. Great. Well, yeah, to our listeners, go check all those things out. And uh, yeah, just been a pleasure having you on, Sally. Thank you very much for joining us. I really appreciate your time and sharing all your your, your experiences and um, wish you all the very best with your, your new venture and merger. And yeah, I can't wait to see where you, where you go with it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was such an incredible opportunity to chat with you. Oh. A pleasure. Pleasure was absolutely mine. And uh, getting lots of love from the chat. People people thanking Aww. you and <laughs> clearly you've uh, you've entertained a, a lot of people out there. So yeah, thank you again. And uh, to all our listeners out there, thank you very much for tuning in. Um, feel free to like and subscribe if you enjoyed what you heard. And um, check us out at becomecgpro.com. We run classes in Unreal. If you're interested in hearing more, go have a look at the website. 
and uh, have a lovely evening or whatever time of day you're listening to this and check us out in another couple of weeks we'll have another episode thank you <laughs>